Zach is going to kick us off in the creed. Uh, right before the pandemic hit, we changed a couple things in our services. One was that we did communion every single week, but the second thing that we did was we started reciting the Apostles' Creed. And the reason why we started doing that is because we wanted to affirm the foundational doctrines of the church that has existed from the beginning of the early church. And so uh, we're going to go through in this, in this series every single line of the Apostles' Creed, every idea of the Apostles' Creed. And uh, how many of you know that understanding what we believe is very important in our culture where truth is very hard to come by? In, a, in, a, in an age where truth is very ambiguous and everybody has their own truth, there's a truth that is represented in scripture that we all adhere to. And in the early church, actually, they would have the uh, person recite the Apostles' Creed before they would get baptized. They would say, and what is your confession of faith? And they would say, I believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. And they would go through the Apostles' Creed, and then we, the person baptizing them would say, according to the confession of your faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the person would be baptized and added to the member, uh, as a member of the household of faith. And, and I feel like this is a day and an age where we need to come back to our roots, to come back to the foundations of what we believe and why we believe it. Amen? Um, so we're going to have Pastor Zach come up. Can you guys give a hand for Pastor Zach? Before he shares, I just want to I, I give a, a, a picture of how powerful repetition is. And so uh, for a season, my, my children and I and our household, we would recite the Lord's Prayer and then we would recite the Apostles' Creed because um, how many of you, if, if I held up a, a flag that you had no idea what it was and I, I, I burnt it in front of you, that you would feel a little bit of uh, angst if I did that. It, but it was a flag that you had no idea what it was. What if I took the American flag that's hanging right there and I, I, I burnt it in front of your face, in front of the church? How many would have an emotional response to that? And, and one of the reasons why is because when we were kids, every, t every class we would say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, listen, and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. And the repetition of that every single day, it did something in the formation of our soul. That if something happens to that flag, it actually impacts your soul. And so what are the things that we place as foundations in our spiritual lives that form our souls? I believe the Apostles' Creed is one of those things that the early church built from the beginning of the church till now, and it's something that we should have as a foundation. Amen? So can you guys give Zach another warm welcome? <laughs> Thank you. So we have the Apostles' Creed. Within the creed, we have three, three things that we're saying we believe in. Three statements of faith, believing in God the Father, in Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, and then everything that encompasses that. Amen? And that is so good for us, because like how Pastor John was saying, laying that foundation of beliefs is so important in this day and age. It's so important, like, and it's amazing how we can all have our own different truths. That makes no sense. Right? If you can have a truth, I can have a truth. 
but what your truth is is different from my truth, so whose is the lie? But with the creed, with the Apostles' Creed, we have a standard of truth, of belief. We have a standard that we will live by. We have a standard that we can attest to, that we can test people on. Maybe not test people, but we can hold it up to their beliefs and say, do you really believe in the God that I believe in? Is what you're saying really what you believe? Do you really believe that Jesus is your Lord, Master, and Savior? What does that mean? And so we're going to do our best to unpack that, unpack the Apostles' Creed. And I have the privilege of talking about the first two lines, just the first two lines. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. You know, just the, the, to reinforce this idea of the power of repetition. So when I was in high school, I struggled a lot with condemnation. Uh, I would mess up, I would sin, and I'd feel bad about it, and I'd feel like the worst person, the dirtiest person in the whole world, you know. And God began to work on that in my heart. And one of the things he led me to do was to look in the mirror and speak truth over myself. Sounds weird, but I'd look in the mirror after messing up, and I'd look in the mirror, and I'd tell myself, I'd literally tell myself, be like, Zach, you're forgiven. Zach, you are loved. God loves you still. There's nothing that you can do that you're going to be able to separate yourself from him. And I would speak those things over my life because I needed to hear the truth. Because the voice in my head of condemnation was so stinking loud that I needed to hear it. I needed to hear the truth. And I did whatever it took. Because people could tell me, other people could tell me. I could read it in the word. But I think what really, what I really needed to hear was myself say it. Because obviously I didn't really believe it. Hearing it from all these other sources, I didn't believe it. Until I began to confess it myself over my life. That's when it truly became real for me. And just as we, we recite the Apostles' Creed together, these are the beliefs that will become real to us. The more we do it, the more it gets ingrained in our hearts, the more we declare our belief in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Therefore, it becomes something that births within us a passion and a desire to seek Him and to know Him more. Amen? I read this as I was preparing that the, the, the Apostles' Creed is an invitation it's an invitation to unpack the hope and glory of the triune God. And I love that phrase because it's such a, this one little, these two little lines are just loaded. It's a loaded statement. It's not something that you want to say lightly. Because what you're saying within these two lines holds a lot of weight. Back in the day, the, the earliest form of a creed was when people would say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Three words encompassing the entire 
length of the Apostles' Creed. Not only that, but the entire teachings, all the teachings of Jesus and what the Bible is. Just in three words. And during that time, there was a lot of lies. There's deception throughout the church. And they needed something that was substantial. They needed something that was concrete, something that they could recite and make sure that, that if you claim to be a Christian, that these are the things you believe and that you will not stray from these beliefs. These are the beliefs of a Christian. This is what it means to believe in Jesus. This is what it means to say that Jesus is Lord and this is what we do every single Sunday. We are doing this so that we can declare him as our Lord, Savior, God, Father, Almighty, Helper. That's what we're declaring, that we believe in him. So what does this mean for us? What does it mean for us? Besides just declaring it. Because we're going to unpack it. We want to see what it, what it means. And Martin Luther did a great job, I feel like, in explaining this. That when we say this line, we're declaring that we believe in a permeating, personal, and powerful God. And he writes this. Martin Luther writes this. I believe that God has made me together with all creatures that he has given and still preserves to me my body, my soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason, and all my senses, also clothing and shoes, meat and drink, house and home, wife and child, land, cattle, and all my goods, that he richly and daily provides me with all that I need for this body and life, protects me against all danger, and guards and keeps me from all evil. And all this, all this purely out of fatherly, divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me, for all which I am in duty am in duty bound to thank and praise, to serve and obey him. This is most certainly true. All this purely out of fatherly, divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me. He does those things. That's the kind of God that we're believing in. When we declare, when we say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. That's what we're believing in. That's who we're believing in. And that should lead us, and I love that last line, for which I am in duty bound to thank and praise and serve and obey him. It's so good. This permeating, personal, and powerful God that we serve, that we believe in, when we say, God, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. He's permeating, personal, and powerful. Permeating God, Acts 17, verses 22 to 28. We're not going to read the whole thing, but in verse 24, it says, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth. 27, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Psalm, Psalm 139 is amazing. In, if you want to read a chapter of the Bible, read this chapter after you leave here. Read this chapter. This says, where can I go from your spirit? 
Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall, shall hold me. Where can we go? Where can you go? Where can I go to es escape the presence of God? There is nowhere you can go. There is no place in your house. There is no place on this earth where you can hide from the presence of the Lord. Zephaniah 3.17, it says, The Lord your God is in your midst. He is in your midst. He is with you. He is a personal God. A personal God. Hebrews 4.12 for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows me better than I know myself. I cannot trust myself with the right decision. Anybody can agree with that? I cannot trust myself. I will lead myself astray. My heart will lead myself astray. But the person who knows the answer, who knows me, who knows what's best for me, who knows my, my every thought, who knows the every pull and tug of my heart, knows my character inside and out because he has made me, that's who I can trust. And that's who I believe in. Do you believe in that God? When you, when you declare that you believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, that is what you're saying. You're believing in that God who knows you, who is personal, loves you, cares for you. And it takes time for that kind of relationship to happen in the real world. Amen? It takes time. You know, recently got married three, three years ago, and uh, <laughs> sometimes... We, as, as a man, as a husband, we are expected to, to know what to do without being told. We are, we are expected. <laughs> we were supposed to be able to read minds. Anybody? Guys? No? Am I alone? Come on, be brave. <laughs> this is real stuff. But it takes time for us to, to even remotely be able to... to even get on board your thought train, women. It takes time. There's a lot of years. Depending, okay, I got married at, what, 28? 28? Yeah. I had 28 years of a thought pattern that needs to be, like, undone and retrained. So you got to give me a break. <laughs> it takes time. But with God, because he made you and he made me, it doesn't take time like that for him. He just knows you. He knows you. It takes us time to know him because we haven't known him from the moment we were born, from even before. Amen? 
That's why when we recite the Apostles' Creed, when we do these things like that, these different liturgies that declare who we believe in and who God is, it does something within us to help us to know him better. You know, an invitation to, to uncover the majesty and glory of the triune God. To know him better, to know him more. Who is it that we are declaring that we believe in? Who is it? This permeating, personal, and powerful God that we believe in. That he cares about us. 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And Luke 12, 7, why even the hairs of your head are all numbered. The hair on your head numbered. I ain't got time to count all of Mickey's hairs. Uh-uh. But God, God knows. He knows. He knows. He knows all the ones that are coming in and all the ones that are falling out. Some of them, some number is greater than the other. <laughs> but he knows you personally. Personally. That leads us to the most exciting part, the powerful, magnificent, almighty God that we believe in. He is powerful. And this is so exciting. I mean, the, the other stuff is, is great too. But to know that we believe in and we serve a God that is personal to us, but a God this powerful that is personal to us, that's exciting. Psalm 93.1, the Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty, and the Lord is robed. He has put on strength, and his belt, yes, the world is established, and it shall never be moved. The Israelites, when they were in Egypt, got such an amazing opportunity to witness the power, just the sheer power of the God that they serve, that they witnessed what he did to the Egyptians. They witnessed it. They witnessed his power. How many of you have witnessed his power before? Yeah, some of us. We witness his power in our personal lives. We can witness his power in somebody else's life. Witness his power in church. But we believe in a God that is powerful. Amen? We believe in a God that is powerful. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Isaiah 40, verses 21 to 31. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I encourage you to read it. Psalm 139 and Isaiah 40, verses 21 to 31. Read those when you... After you leave this place. Verse 22. says, It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. Verse 25. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. He is stronger. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. He is understanding. And unsearchable. We serve a powerful God. We believe in a powerful God. 
And that's what you're saying when, when we repeat and we recite that first line. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the almighty, powerful God, maker of heaven and earth, who has the power to create things by speaking it into existence out of nothing. That's the God that we serve. That's the God who we believe in. Do you believe in that God? When we recite the Apostles' Creed, these are the things that you're saying. These are the things that you're saying. Seeing the Apostles' Creed as an invitation to unpack the glory and majesty of the triune God is huge for us. And it brings us into a deeper revelation and relationship of him. Hi. <laughs> God is good. Everywhere. We cannot escape him. We cannot. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And he is powerful. The most powerful person in the whole entire universe because he created everything. Can you put up the names of God picture? This is who God is in the Bible. This is who he is. The Lord, my great Lord, the strong one, God of Israel, God most high, all-powerful, creator, eternal, everlasting, who sees us, the sufficient one, the I am, God with us, the one who is self-existent, the Lord will provide. These, this is who we believe in. When we say, that's why the, this, these two lines are so loaded. When you say you believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, you're declaring all of these things. This is who you believe in. If you know that this is who you believe in, this should excite you. To lead you to want to know this person more. You know, you get around somebody who is better than you at something that you want to be good at. You know, you're like, oh, you got to teach me how to do this. Oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Can you show me this? Can you show me that? God. God, show me who you are. Teach me your ways. Show me what it's like. Show me what you're like. An invitation to unpack the glory and majesty of the triune God. Let's play this video of the cosmic eye to just get a, a, a small understanding of the power and majesty of our God.
That's the God we serve, who we believe in. Yeah, give him a hand. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. The majesty and glory of God the Father Almighty, maker and of heaven and earth. Oh, so good. We have a, a vast, powerful God that is personal. And we see that. Verse 13 of Psalm 139 says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. A God that is powerful, that created all of the universe paid special attention to you, paid special attention to me, cares about you, cares about me. That's who we believe in as we recite the Apostles' Creed. Amen. Can we put the Apostles' Creed video up? And we're going to, I'd love to repeat the Apostles' Creed together. Uh, if you would stand with us. Father, we thank you so much that you are a permeating, personal, and powerful God, and we believe in you. We believe in you, and I pray that as we leave this place, that you will put a desire and a passion within each and every one of our hearts to seek you and to know you more. That we use and we look at the Apostles' Creed as an invitation to uncover the majesty and glory of you, the triune God. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Go before us. Go with us. We thank you that there is nowhere we can go that we cannot escape your love and we cannot escape your presence. We give you glory and honor and praise. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.
Oh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. And we'll see you next week.